Blog Talk Radio. Playing Sports City Chefs from Amazon Music. Man, talk to me about it, man. How, how, how'd you feel about that game? 
I'm going to go ahead and do this twice tonight. Laissez les bon temps rouler. Yo, down in Baton Rouge, man. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, let, let the good times roll, right? Like, this was, this was a team that had 39 scholarship players left uh, after the bowl game last year. They got some good recruits in. They're still not one of their best recruiting classes. But you got freshman bookend tackles. You got a true freshman and tight end. Another freshman on the offensive line. But Mason Taylor, Jason Taylor's kid with a couple big catches. The transfer quarterback. Transfers all over the field. And listen, this is the Alabama team that, because of the name and whatever else, the Heisman Trophy returning guy quarterback, they're supposed to be the returning national cha- I mean, they're supposed to be the national champions this year. Preseason ranked number one. Majority of the first place mm-hmm. vote. Uh, you know, this is a team that's supposed to be it. Uh, they lose by a field goal to Tennessee. They come into uh, Baton Rouge at 13.5-point favorite in Baton Rouge. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and listen, uh, this team believes, man, this is a bunch of a, a bunch of guys that love playing. They, they, they believe in that coach. They believed in that coach before, before the rest of America did. Uh, you know, it, they had their signature win a couple of weeks ago against an Ole Miss team that was top 10 in the country. But going into this one, I was just like, I hope they're competitive, bro. Like, that's all I can tell you is I hope they're competitive. Uh, you know, what I, mean? I knew that Alabama, I knew that Alabama had some flaws and Alabama's also had a tougher time on the road than they do at home. So I was like, I, I just hope they're competitive. And they score the, the touchdown on one play in overtime quarterback gets free 25 yards to the house. And I, I was sitting there, I was talking to a friend of mine from Louisiana at the time, and I'm like, they just should go for two right now in this thing, one way or the other. You're already playing with house money, right? So I uh, probably should have done that in the Florida State game. But listen, I thought he had his signature win two weeks ago when he beat Ole Miss. Now he really has a signature win mm-hmm. at LSU, right? Like 7-2, uh, yeah. and two, the, the rebuild is ahead of schedule. I, I said it two weeks ago after the Ole Miss game. The rebuilds ahead of schedule. Uh, things are looking nice. Got some. Uh, got another really good class coming in. Uh, but this man can win. He has won everywhere he's ever gone. And I told people, I'm like, man, this is not your daddy's Notre Dame anymore or your granddaddy's Notre Dame anymore. And, you know, big props to, to Marcus Freeman and getting that win over Clemson. But you cannot get the same player at Notre Dame as you get in Louisiana. You got too much talent in your backyard down there. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's you right. get different levels of talent down there, and I believe that he can. Uh, listen, I think I thought he was a good hire when it happened. A lot of people doubted it, and of course, he was a laughing stock with a few things early, and then the loss to Florida State. But what you gonna do? You got uh, you got people. A lot of people still adjusting. A lot of moving parts. But you know, listen, seven and two ahead of schedule. Uh, this is only the fifth time. Uh, out of 17 matchups that LSU has beaten Alabama since Saban got there. And it's only the second time they beat them in, in Baton Rouge. They haven't beaten Nick Saban in Baton Rouge since 2010. So right. it was a good weekend. They couldn't keep them off the field, and LSU said they'll pay the final score. Terran Matthew, Shaquille O'Neal, and some other guys like famous alums even jumped in to help pitch in to help LSU pay the fine for the play, uh, for all the fans storming the field. They left the goalpost alone this time. But there was even like an 80-something-year-old lady in her walker down on the field after the game. Man, you can't control them cages when they get excited. <laughs> and, listen, it was, and listen, it was a night game, so they were tailgating all day and getting deep into the sauce. 
that place was loud. Yeah. The, the earth shook yeah, again. Yeah. It registered on the seismograph. It was it was rowdy, man, and it was it was a lot of fun. You know what? It, it's funny because I, I haven't talked to any one of you gentlemen uh, since since last week, man. You know, so I, I definitely wanted to have you, you know, talk about it, man. It, it, it was fun sitting here watching it. Like, at, at, here's the thing: like at any moment, I really felt as though Alabama would flip a switch because they've always done it um, and find a way to to pull that game out. And even even after. You went at, you scored the touchdown in overtime. I was like, listen, I, I, it takes a it takes a certain amount of brass to go for two at, at that moment. Like because at the end of the day, like if you miss it, you go get you go crucified. Because at the end of the day, you know it wasn't like my Muslim or the like uh, Alabama's defense was stopping what was going on. Like you couldn't have done anything. Uh, so, but it, it, it was a hell of a win. Barry, I'm going to come over to you, man. Uh, Florida State, Mass, Miami, and the mouthpiece. You know, we don't talk college football too much. But 45 to 3, you know, there's, 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 there's a certain person that, you know, we rock with on a regular basis that's a big Kane fan. Uh, I, 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 I hope. You made a phone call and, you know, did a, did a welfare check on you on, on, on the big homie band. But, yo, 45 to 3? Talk to me about it, man. How you feel? Um, listen, um, I don't do that. Um, the, the villain doesn't gloat. Um, the you are damn doesn't lie. call. <laughs> no, no, listen, listen. No, I'm not going to go out of my way to call, you know, my friends and, and gloat about the win. I, all I do is look at the scoreboards. Forty-five to three. That's all you gotta do. I don't need to say anything. You know what I'm saying? I don't need to say anything. The scoreboard says it all. It's the most lopsided win in this rivalry's history, um, and it's it's like it's almost not even worth discussing because it's like it's so lopsided. It's like yeah, y'all gotta do better, man. Y'all gotta do better. You know, you know, Florida State. Listen, we we we're you're not we're not the Florida State of old. I think we're getting there. We're we're gonna get there pretty soon. Um, but you know, it, it's listen. It is fun to beat Miami, uh, in in my in Miami. But uh, yeah, it, I mean, I listen. It, it it was it was a fun day of college football all around. Georgia really beat the crap out of Tennessee. Just beat them up. Uh, Alabama, they're they're. Yeah, they, you know their their season is over. The Big Ten didn't look too great, but they got wins when they needed it. Um, Ohio State had a tough time with uh, Northwestern and stuff, but yeah, it was it was a good day of college football all around. You know what? It's funny because I, I'm a Big Ten guy, you know, as a mm. Penn State fan, um, and honestly, I, I I couldn't be more proud of what my conference is doing, but. At the end of the day, I never really thought, you know, popping back to the SEC for a minute, I never thought Tennessee should have been the number one team in the first place. I just really mm-hmm. felt as though the committee – I felt as though the committee put them there with the idea that Georgia and Tennessee would play, um, and literally Georgia would do what they did and knock Tennessee out. Now, I don't I, – I hate to say, like, they fell in the ranking tonight. They, I think they're sitting there at six. Um, and uh, Oregon mm-hmm. is right behind them. Uh, my question, and again, we can go to football here in a minute. 
looking at the ranking as you see it, would you guys change anything? I hate to say, I'm not a fan of TCU. I'm not a big fan of TCU, and I, 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 and I think TCU is going, to tr- is going to end up being this year's version of last year's Cincinnati. I just don't think that they deserve to be in the college football playoffs with the top dogs. I just, I just don't think they're going to play well. But, uh, Mr. Harvey, I come mm-hmm. to you, man. TCU um, and, and, and the top ranking came out this afternoon, man. How do you feel about it? Okay, so I'll answer that, but let me let me just give you one more thing. Real quick, um, on that two point conversion, the other thing that I would say is that's just a uh that's a call. He he just he even told his players in the locker room after the game, I didn't want to keep going to overtime. I wanted you guys to be the one that decided the fate of how this turned out. So that's why we went for it right then. And I think listen, I think it was a huge statement not only for the the this team, but I think it was a statement for like his vision in the future of this program. He believes that if they need to, they can line up and get it done against anybody. But real quick, as far as the rankings go, I think the reason why Tennessee was put there was because they had two wins over teams that were in the top ten. So they had one more quote-unquote marquee win. As far as the rankings go, I still feel like they're going to work themselves out. I know you and I have had this argument before. And I don't really concern myself too much with where they are. I, TCU has Baylor, Texas, and, and one other team this month that are both – that are all three fairly competitive. So, I think they're going to get beat. Um, I don't think they play enough defense. I think they're going to get beat and they're going to fall uh, from those from that top four. And so, I, I'm not really uh, necessarily concerned about that. Just like Clemson. Like, everybody, they didn't look – extremely yeah. impressive as an undefeated team. It shook itself out. I, I think, you know, there's a strong possibility at the end of the day, unless something uh, crazy happens, uh, we could end up seeing. Because Tennessee, man, listen, Tennessee could still be there. Tennessee loses to Georgia, but if Tennessee finishes 11-1, and they don't have to go to the SEC championship game and Georgia wins the SEC, you could see Tennessee, Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan – as the last four teams standing. Uh, and right now I would say that that is, uh, if, if I had to, you know, if I were going to place a bet as far as who were the most likely four to be there uh, in uh-huh. the final four at the end of the season, uh, that's what I would say it's going to be. I think, you know, we got a whole nother month. It's like uh, Brian Kelly told his team in the locker room in, in late October. He said October's for pretenders. November's for contenders. So we're going to find out who's really contenders by the end of this month. Well, yeah, you know what? I, real quick, us. real quick. I'm sorry, serious. Real, real quick. I, right, 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 right. It's a great discuss. It's a great discussion. I think Tennessee has a really good shot to get in. I think Michigan has to beat Ohio State to get in. I think their schedule is dog crap. They didn't play anybody. They played my Huskies for crying out loud. If they they can't they can't with a one loss get into the playoff, in my opinion, because of their strength. Of That's a fact. Um, That's a fact. So. So, so I think Tennessee, if they run the table with one loss with good wins against Alabama and LSU, and then, um, you know, obviously a loss to a really good Georgia team, I think they can get in over a one-loss Michigan team. Michigan, and I think a one-loss Ohio State can get in. A one-loss Michigan can't. A one-loss Ohio State can. I think they have a better path. So, I, I, but I think that game, that Ohio State Michigan Michigan game, is going to decide it. I think one of those two fall out. 
So TCU can get in. I think it's going to be tough because I just think the power teams are going to kind of push their way in. They're going to nudge their way in. So it's going to be interesting, though. Georgia has – they could win – they could lose one game. They're still in. They have the wins to back it up. They're an unbelievable team. They're, they lost all these players on defense, and their defense looked phenomenal against a really good offense. That's in the rain, but against a really good Tennessee offense. So it's going to be well, fun. Hold on a second. Hold on. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. So you said Ohio hmm. State – can get in with one loss, but Michigan can't. If you look at Ohio State's schedule, they don't really have a signature win. Like, they beat Notre Dame week Notre one. Dame. and they, one. they beat Notre Dame week one. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Outside of that, like, they beat Penn State. They they, they trolled that whole mm-hmm. game, but find a way to win that ball game. They play, they play Indiana this week, Maryland the week after that, and then they close against they close against Michigan. Michigan, if you look at their schedule, they don't have a real signature win. Again, they beat Penn State, beat us handily, actually, but they don't have another. So, I mean, they play the, the Notre Dame game is what separates them. Yeah, the Notre Dame game I guess the Notre Dame is separate. The, the, okay, I got you. Yeah, because Notre Dame, even though they're a down team, they just beat Clemson. That raises Ohio State's strength of schedule a tick way higher than Michigan's strength of schedule. You know what I'm saying? So I think by Does default, it that kind of... Right, right, right. No, 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 go ahead, go ahead. No, what I'm saying is, like, should it though? Because Clemson wasn't a really a, a juggernaut of a team to begin with. Like, they were ranked, but mm-hmm. they, like, they, they didn't pass the eye test. Yeah, but they were like, number four. We they were number four. They, they were, they're probably still going to win the ACC, so... It, it is. It's. It's a know. tick. I don't know. It that. gives them. It gives them a tick. And I think but, if you ranked, if you ranked Michigan and Ohio State's schedule, Michigan's schedule is way worse. I mean, you're look. I mean, UConn. I mean, come on. I mean, I'm a big UConn fan, but come on. That's, yeah. Let's be honest. Yeah. They both have. They both have soft schedules. The Notre Dame. Game and they're gonna pay in. for it. Yeah, they they are, but the Notre Dame game separates them. But if you're if you are Ohio State, you want to make sure Clemson wins out. Like you want them beating South Carolina, which could be a trap game. You want them to win the ACC. You need Clemson to do as good as they possibly can, because that continues mm-hmm. to uh, you know make that win by Notre Dame look even better. But look out, even though they can't play defense, if somehow they can find a way to um, get through. Uh, you could see either a one-loss Oregon, as bad as they got beat by Georgia, or a one-loss USC team uh, slide in and that fourth spot if Ohio State were to beat Michigan. And that's why that's Georgia, I'll, even if they yeah. lose the game, is going to get in because they destroyed o- Oregon to be open the season. Oregon's that's their only loss. So their strength of schedule is raised up because of that win. And they got quality wins against Tennessee. they that's what I mean. Michigan and Ohio State can't afford to slip up before the big game. They can't because a one-loss Tennessee is a better book. Oregon is looking much better. USC, to your point, is a much better look. TCU, by default, being undefeated is much better. Even Clemson with one loss and, and, and struggling losses, uh, you know, a struggling season with their wins, even their one loss is going to be better than Michigan if they lose a game. 
Let me get one more Oregon real quick. Has, this Georgia team. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah go ahead, go ahead. Go this ahead. Georgia, this Georgia win over Tennessee, though it might not have looked as wide of a gap on the scoreboard. Let me tell you something. That game was Georgia was every bit as dominant against Tennessee yep. as they were against Oregon in the opening week of the season. So not only when they have played two top ten, they've had a couple games where it was close, but when they played a couple top ten teams that uh, people thought maybe could challenge them. Georgia uh, basically spanked him and put him to bed. Right, right. That's the best yeah. I've seen Georgia look. Even beating Alabama, that's the best I've seen Georgia look in a while. That And that's scary. They took that game personally, to be honest with you. I was sitting there looking at that. They really beat them like they stole something. They, like, pull out the Jordan meme, man. Like, they took that game extremely personally. Because think of, think it about it, they hadn't lost a game. They beat up on Oregon serious, and they were number three in the country to Tennessee. I mean, that's disrespect, and the, and they're holding the champ. The champ is here. You know what I mean? Like, right. they're like they're like Ric Flair right now. It's like you know, I spent more money on spill liquor than you've made in a year. <laughs> and I, you know what I mean? Like, you know. <laughs> Like, like you disrespect, man. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Call the numbers nine two nine four seven seven two seven five nine. Uh love talking college ball with you guys, man. I need you up more often as you open up this NFL show, man. It, it, it was fun to do. But to the task at hand, gentlemen, the trade deadline has come and gone and it honestly felt like the NBA trade deadline were moved and and everything mm. alike. Um, Mr. Harvey, I'll, I'll come to you first, man. Give me a move that was made at the trade deadline that you were, you know, pleasantly surprised about, and name me a move that was made at the trade deadline that had you scratching your head. So we talked about McCaffrey before. I like that. I mm-hmm. actually, for for an organization that half the time acts like they don't know what they're doing, and they just happen to fall into good luck. I thought that going and getting Bradley Chubb uh, by the Dolphins was a good move for them to give them somebody who's a legit pass rusher, you know, that that can cause some, you know, issues for them on the edge. Uh, And I think, you know, if you look at it, you got to protect your passer and you got to be able to get after the passer. Like those are two things that are important. That that Dolphins defense does have some good pieces. So when you can add another pass pass rush component. Uh, or pass rushing threat to that defense. Like, listen, this is a team that that, that division, uh, it, look at even after this past weekend, uh, you saw the uh, the Bills go down to the Jets. Now they're talking about maybe Josh Allen, the elbows hurt. I don't know if that's really a thing or if they're trying to make an excuse for him or whatever. But, no, this, it is. Is a, but, but, but this is a winnable division for this team. And if not, they can at least uh, still make the playoffs and the Dolphins haven't been relevant um, since, I, since I have, you know, since before I grew facial hair. And, um, I mean, it's probably been more recent than that. But to get my point, uh, this is their chance to really do something. So uh, I thought that was a really good move for this franchise, um, and it makes sense. As far as a move that left me scratching my head, so there's a couple of, like, not moves like that teams didn't do that really leave me scratching my head a little bit. But if you want me to actually pick something that did happen, uh, I'm 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 still looking at I'm looking at Detroit. Why do you trade Hawkinson? 
I mean, why do you trade a, a tight end that's that's that young and still got those kinds of skills? And your and division your quarter- at that. Yeah, and with, with mm-hmm. in your division, you're going to see him twice a year. Uh, we know that this kid can play. We also know that there's a good chance that Jared Goff may not be your answer over the next few years at quarterback. So maybe this year, I mean, think about this. With all the weapons that this team has, you end up, I mean, you run into some bad luck, but if you end up drafting early and get a franchise quarterback, this could be huge uh, for this franchise, right? And so you have a guy come in with a, with a lot of weapons even in day one. But, I mean, what do we, we talk about this all the time. A rookie quarterback's best friend or a young quarterback's best friend is what? The tight end. So why you trade an established tight end in your division where you got to see him a couple times a year uh, for a picker? I, I don't know. That just that leaves me scratching my head. Yeah, I see. I, 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 when, when I saw that news break, I, I, I also scratched my head. And then when I went and looked at the actual deal itself, um, for what they gave up and everything, it, 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 it was baffling for me. Villain, um, I'll come to you. Um, you know what deal that you, that that happened over the trade deadline? Were you pleasantly surprised about? Um, and then what deal that took place had you scratching your head or wondering WTF, man? What, what were they thinking? I mean, we talked about it last well, Wednesday. There were a couple moves that we liked, but now kind of having a week to settle. Um, I really like the Roquan Smith trade too. Um, I think the Bradley trade, uh, Bradley Chubb trade, was really good. I thought um, it was a, a need that the Dolphins had, and they're pushing their chips to the middle. But you look at a uh, Roquan Smith. Um, he was a piece that the the, the Ravens desperately needed. Um, you get him now, you get Pierre Paul back, you got, you know, Campbell, at, at, and you, you get, you're get you getting healthy on defense. This is a Ravens team. You got Patrick Queen there, take, Justin Houston there. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. This is a defense that can help them now uh, win games and not blow games because they were leading, I think, four or five games into the fourth quarter and blew leads. Now you got defensive uh-huh. guys that can get after it and keep those leads, right? Um, this is a team that can now take a stranglehold on that division, um, especially with the uh, the Bengals missing their star receiver, Chase. Um, you know, the Steelers are, are down, obviously, and, and the Browns just waiting to get their quarterback back. They're still in contention, but I don't think they're going to catch the Ravens at this point. So that's a move that I really do like. Um, yeah, you know, I got to – I got to say it's the moves that didn't happen, more or less the, the head-scratching uh-huh. moves. I thought the Cowboys should have made a move. I thought right. that they should have went after a receiver. Now, granted, I don't think anybody wanted to pay that price tag for Brandon Cooks. I think the teams like the Cowboys, the Giants, and I think the Packers, too, were really smart not to pull the trigger on that deal, even though you told me, seriously, Brandon Cooks is a problem. You got to draft him on fantasy. I did. He's not bad. But I can't pay that guy $18 million and then give up two really valuable picks for him. Um, right, right. So I think that was a smart move not to, to go after him. But I feel still the Cowboys needed to make a move. 
just to right. to to keep pace with the Eagles because you see a lot of teams make that move for a receiver a la the Dolphins got Tyreek Hill, the Eagles got A.J. Brown, um, you know, a couple years back, Hopkins to the, the Cardinals. You know, those those are the difference-making moves. Even OBJ to the Rams last year, that's the difference-making move, and I felt like the Cowboys needed to do something like that in a major opportunity. So I got into a very heated conversation um, with a Packer friend of mine um, who also I feel as though they should have made a movie as well. Um, and he mm-hmm. brought up Brandon Cooks, and I was like, listen, the Brandon Cooks thing, I get it. You don't want to pay that price tag? I got it. But Elijah right. Moore is available. Jerry Julie is available. Denzel Mims is possibly available. Devontae Parker is available. There are other secondary receivers that you could have brought in, especially if you're the Dallas Cowboys, especially if you're the Green Bay Packers, uh, to kind of help your ball club. So I, I guess I'm tipping my hand. Um, the move that had me really scratching my head, um, you know, what was the Green Bay Packers team not being super aggressive and getting some type of help? Um, I, I, I don't care what you have to do. You know what I'm saying? You lose Devontae out of the offseason. You try to put this thing together with allergies and bumper stickers and, and, and tape, and, and it's not working with your receiver core. It, it just, it's not working. So at the end of the day, I did see the report that they tried to make a phone call uh, for Chase Claypool. The Steelers hung up on him. I saw a report that they tried to make a phone call to the Carolina Panthers for D.J. Moore. They hung up on him. So at that point, mm-hmm. you just don't throw your hands up and be like, you know what the hell with it. You go try to get some other pitches. Like Elijah Moore, a dysfunctional receiver in New York who wants us, who, who wants out. You call Salah. You call these guys and you try to get that deal done. Like if you're sitting there waiting for OBJ to possibly pick you in the lottery, you, you, you're going to have your feelings hurt. You have nobody there. You know what I'm saying? He's going to go mm-hmm. to a contender. He's going to go to a team that has the potential to win him another chip. So I, I think the Packers really missed it here. Another move that has me really scratching my head, and I don't understand the reason as to why, was this Calvin Ridley deal. Calvin Ridley gets traded from the Atlanta Falcons to the Jacksonville Jaguars for a 2023 conditional fifth-round pick and a 2024 second-round pick. So literally they just threw him – Oh, they don't want nothing more to do with Calvin Ridley. Nothing more to do with him. He serves his he suspension this year. He gets reinstated back in the league. And you pair Calvin Ridley with a, a, a Trevor Lawrence who is starting to come to himself, a Kirk who I'm not sure if he's the wide receiver one, but sure as hell is balling like that. And the rest of the weapons Travis is he had in the backfield. This Jacksonville Jaguars team, like, okay, I say it. I got you. You're not, you're not so much preparing for this year, but you're looking ahead trying to stack chips for mm-hmm. next year in a division that is very easily winnable. Like, I, 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 I'm not buying this Tennessee Titans team. I'm not buying this, this Indianapolis Colts team, which we'll talk about here in a minute. I'm not buying this Houston Texans team. So the Jacksonville Jaguars just by being halfway decent will win this division by default because mm-hmm. they have the weapons to do it. 
and now you put that into next year? Holy bikini, Batman. Like, talk to me about this Calvin Ridley thing. Did, I mean, did, did that shock you? Did you guys see that coming? Like, that caught me out of left yeah. somewhere. I think yeah, it's I did not. Uh, oh, go, ahead, go, ahead. go ahead. Go ahead. No, you no, first. I, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll be quick. I I love the move for both sides. I didn't see it coming. I think Mike was reiterating the same thing, but I look at it like it's not giving up on this year for the Jaguars, but it's surrounding um, Lawrence with young talent for the future, and all you have to give up at the most is a second-round pick for a guy that's a first-round pick that was probably the best receiver in that draft, right? So you, he's not going to play this year because of suspension. Um, but honestly, you look down the line, if he hits incentives, it's going to cost you a second round pick that a guy that you could get in the first round. And, and for the Falcons, you, you basically get draft compensation to build around the young team that looks pretty darn good this year right now, except for, uh, against the Bengals. But I mean, you know, Cal, you know, Cal Pitts is that dude. Um, they got some young players on offense. I think they can find a receiver, and away you go. I think you move on from Calvin Ridley, get, kind of get up, get underneath that that whole drama with the gambling, and, and I think it helps both sides. Go ahead, Mr. Harvey. No, I, I, I agree. I was actually going to say very much uh, the same thing. I think if you're Atlanta, even if you really like the player, uh, you know, I, I think you, you're starting to see – uh, you know, Kyle Pitts is starting to grow into himself. And I think that this is also a a move that further underscores the fact that they really like Drake London at the wide receiver position. You need a deeper threat. Mm-hmm. You're going to be able to turn this into some more picks. And listen, when you're Atlanta and you're trying to rebuild the way that this team is, uh, you know, as many picks as you can get because they need some secondary help, right? So, mm-hmm. but I, I mean, I, I, I look at this team and I, and I see like the future is brighter. If, if Falcons fans are honest with themselves, uh, the future is brighter than they really thought it was um, going into this year. This team has, has overachieved when you look at what they've, uh, what they've done so far this year. So, I mean, I, I uh, I step back and take a look at this, and, and I love it for Jacksonville. Uh, listen, Ridley is possibly a legit number one receiver in this league. Um, uh-huh. If not, definitely number two. Uh, but this is a young guy that Trevor can grow, can grow with and continue to uh, build chemistry with. And this is a guy that, uh, you know, that helps them. And like you said, it's a win-win for both situations. And I really think in a lot of ways – uh, for Calvin Ridley, even even though he probably could have still been very successful in Atlanta as part of that uh, team, I think you just kind of wash your hands with it and you say, you know what, man, like this is all unfortunate the way this happened for you, but let's give you a chance to go get a fresh start somewhere. And, and so he kind of gets out of, uh, you know, he goes back to Florida and gets a chance to, uh, you know, see what he can do there. But I think it's a win-win across the board. I was surprised to see it happen. And, uh, you know, I'm not sure. You know, we have to see because they said at least one year. So if he's back next year, it really pays dividends. It's, you know, to be determined. But uh, I, was a, I was a little surprised because I, I really thought that, man, if you were to add Ridley to London and Pitts, this could get really scary really fast. Exactly. In Atlanta. So, 
So thank you for trading him, uh, Atlanta. I, I appreciate <laughs> it. Um, I don't know how you're going to do with your picks, but uh, thank you for trading him. I don't have to see him twice a year anymore because Calvin really is a legit, legit one receiver. And so um, I'm happy to see it. I hope it works out for him in Jacksonville. Good riddance. Right, right. Call the number is 929-477-2759. Before we start, change gears and start talking about uh, the week that was, I, 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 I have to bring it up, man. Um, Indianapolis Colts fire Frank Wright, which shouldn't shock anybody. Like, we all understood that, you know, he was a dead man walking. The shock uh, heard around the world was who they named as the interim head coach, former center, um, Jeff Saturday is their new interim head coach, a, a guy who has never wore a headset, never coasted down in his life. As a matter of fact, has never called a play. As a matter of, he, he, he's hiring uh, somebody named Park Frazier just to call plays for him. Um, and, 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 and the thing that baffles me about this whole song and dance is listening to Jim Ursay, you know, talk about the reason as to why he wanted to hire Jeff Saturday. Like, everybody thinks they want to – like, everybody is trying to be the guy that finds the, the diamond in the rough. Like, you want to be the new innovative guy. Um, and I get that. Shoot for the – shoot for the moon if you land amongst the stars, you're still doing all right kind of thing. But to sit there and and, and bring in Jeff Saturday as an interim head coach, a guy who has no coaching experience, is baffling. Um, Dylan, I'll come to you first, man. Like when you heard Jeff Saturday was getting the position, what went through your mind? Kind of give me your, your take on it. Um, as he's going to be the guy, at least for the next uh, few games here in Indianapolis. Yeah, listen, Frank Wright, um, we kind of saw this coming. I said uh, a couple of shows that he's in danger of losing his job. Um, didn't think it would be in, during the season, but I understand it because you want to get a head start on the next year. Um, if you know this isn't the guy, um, unfortunately, they just couldn't replace Andrew Luck. I talked to a Indianapolis Colts fan, a friend of mine, um, you know, and basically he wasn't surprised. He was kind of happy about it. But at the end of the day, it's like he, he they couldn't – they kept trying to bring in an old quarterback in like Phillip Rivers, um, Matt Ryan, Carson Wentz um, to replace – Andrew Luck, they couldn't figure it out because they thought they had a ready-built team and they just needed a veteran quarterback to lead them to the playoffs. And, you know, this is a team that <clears throat> choked last year against the Jacksonville Jaguars with Carson Wentz, and, you know, we're choking away games this year. So um, Frank White was, was on his way out. and But he'll get another job. He's a good coach. I think he can coach in this league. When I heard Jeff Saturday got the job, Jeff Saturday – you know, from everything I've heard, is a good guy. You know, everybody knows he's a really good guy. He, but is he deserving? No. Um, am I surprised that he got the job? No, because Jim Irsay had a chance. He he had his chance to go around the Rooney Rule, which we've talked about is complete BS. It keeps getting diminished 
to the point where it's irrelevant and it's almost a, you know a, a slap in the face or minorities, women, Hispanic, whatever you want to call it, because the rule just doesn't work and it and it also almost makes us like oh here's your token interview like get out of my face. Um, honestly, you know he has no like you said he has no head coaching experience, but because he is a consultant and he's a friend of the owner, he gets a job. Um, even though Reggie Wayne is on that staff and probably was more qualified than, than Jeff Saturday, just because he's a coach on the staff. It's nepotism. It's, uh, you know, who you know. It's relationships. It's it's a joke. Um, and Ursay should be called out on it. If, even though Jeff Saturday is not a bad guy, um, he probably might be a pretty good coach down the line. The fact that he got this job is, is a problem. And or say needs to get called out on it. The funny thing about it is, like, it's the interim guy. Like, this this has yeah. the, the 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 liking and the writing on the wall that Steve Nash for the Brooklyn Nets had. Like, yeah. a guy who has never blown a whistle as a head coach, has never been in the room and been the guy – well, I, again, this this is not a knock on Jeff Saturday. I think he's I, I think he's a phenomenal dude. Like I I I, mm-hmm. I, I like his breakdown of, of teams and film and as an analyst. But just because you're a great analyst does not necessarily make you a great coach. Um, so it's mm-hmm. going to be very interesting to see how the Indianapolis Colts respond um, and, and, and deal with what what they got coming down the pike. Um, you know, at the end of the 2022 season, Mr. Harvey, you know, I didn't think you spoke on it yet, but what, did you, what was your position on this whole situation? I mean, did this shock you as much as it shocked me? Or, like, give me your position on it. Well, I got a couple of things. Um, I think it's a crime that Frank Wright lost his job, yet – Chris Ballard, or whatever his name is, it's the general manager of this team, um, stayed because he's one of the ones that, that you know, was responsible for a lot of these uh, personnel decisions. And so, to me, I feel like if you're going to uh, – if you're going to make a change and hold people accountable, uh, you need to hold the general manager accountable as well. Uh, he's every bit as responsible, if not more so, than the coach, and so the fact that Frank Wright loses his job but the general manager stays in place, um, I think is wrong. I think, uh, you know, he should have lost his job just as just as much. So Now, this is an interim coaching position. Uh, you know, Reggie Wayne, maybe if he wanted it. Uh, you know, there are some other guys that, you know, we've heard over the last few years, like Eric Bieniemy and other guys. But some of those guys are on other staffs where you can't really – make those calls now. So I, I'm going to reluctantly reserve judgment a little bit, even though I think this is kind of wax that this was done this way. I'm going to reserve judgment a little bit and see what they do as far as, like, listen, if they take the interim label off this guy and make him the full-time head coach after this season, I'm going to have a lot to say, Right. Uh, I still mm-hmm. think it's a travesty to see this. I mean, there there are definitely uh, some very qualified black coaches that should be considered in that spot. 
but I am not sure right now. Now we see what you what happens in the off season, but I'm not sure that the way this team is constructed, it's set up for very many coaches to be successful. Right. So mm-hmm. uh, your running backs beat up. You got one receiver who's probably best served as a number two, not a number one guy. Uh, and so this is just uh, much to my uh, disbelief and, and going against all my predictions going into this year. This is a team that has woefully underperformed. So uh, I think there was some better options, but I'm going to reserve mm-hmm. – my most harsh judgment until I see what happens uh, in the off season and what they do for the full-time gig. I will say this though, hindsight being 2020 and with what you've gotten from these veteran quarterbacks, uh, this team would have been better served to stick with and go with Jacoby Brissett over the last few years at the quarterback position than to continue to play musical chairs and put all this money into these veteran quarterbacks. And that's the thing that kind of baffles me. Like, Jacoby Brissett w- w- would have probably been decent there. Um, and the thing is, like, if Deshaun Watson goes out there and balls out um, in-, in Cleveland, you know, Jacoby Brissett may go back there. Um, but at the end of the day, man, it's, it-, it baffles me. And, again, you-, you make a great point, Mr. Harvey. You know, we don't know who – in the world they want to interview. We don't know that if there was somebody on another staff, if they had permission to interview. Um, so I guess, you know, for all intents and purposes, you have to somewhat turn to, to somebody within. Um, and so, I, I, again, Jeff Saturday just baffled me because I was just watching him on TV a couple of days ago, and now he's, you know, the head coach, and, and you know, you have Ursay up there, you know, cutting a promo WWE style about how much he loved, you know, just, I mean, at the end of the day, the, the whole optics is just wrong. Um, but, yep. again, based on the situation, I'm not too sure what other moves could be made. Call the numbers 929-477-2759. I got the next few minutes here with Sports City Chefs. Um, I definitely wanted to talk about the week that was, uh, both uh, Zelman and I had a bye, um, and so we didn't get to play. Thank the Lord, because I would have been probably upset. Um, we didn't but, play either. Yeah, they well, did. Well, <laughs> no, 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 no. We did. There was a game. There was a game. There was a game. Didn't play it. <laughs> but, 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 but we didn't play well at all. Uh, it was. Uh, we didn't play terrible. well. So. Last week, last week kicked off with the Eagles, you know, getting their eighth win, which is no shock to anybody. Uh, the Cincinnati Bengals, I'm just going to popcorn this here for a little bit. The Bengals uh, beat the breaks off of the Carolina Panthers. You may have another quarterback situation um, in Carolina because P.J. Walker got pulled. Baker Mayfield went in there and did some work. Um, I wanted it's to easy to do work when you're down 35 to nothing. It's easy to do work when you're down 35 to nothing. Very much so. Uh, the Raiders released former first-round safety Jonathan Abram, which comes as a shock to, to, to me based off of how he's played. Um, but, again, the Raiders are going to Raider. Um, speaking of which, they blew a 20-point lead to the Jacksonville Jaguars Sunday. 
uh, the Washington Commanders fall to the Minnesota Vikings. Um, Thank God Devontae Adams scored more than one point this this week. Yeah, that 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 that, that was crazy for fantasy rosters. I was the idiot that started uh, Aaron Rodgers in the league because hell, he's playing Detroit. Detroit gives up bombs over Baghdad to everybody. Uh, clearly, Aaron Rodgers decided to throw you know three interceptions to in the red zone. Uh, they lose fifteen to nine. Um, there have been Buffalo, seasons where he hasn't thrown three picks in a season. Exactly, he threw three in one game, two of them in the red zone. <laughs> one of them, one of them was on like the two yard line. It's crazy. Um, Buffalo uh, got a must lead to win, beating the Buffalo, uh, the Jets, the Jets beat the Buffalo Bills. Excuse me, Jets beat Buffalo. I said that backwards. Yeah, I said that backwards. The Jets beat Buffalo. My, my brain won't even let me say that. That's crazy. Um, but the game at hand, uh, the Baltimore Ravens go into New Orleans and get a, a get a victory on a game where I honestly felt as though the Ravens really didn't look decent offensively, which is why I, I question the Roquan Smith deal, not so much because it's bad for them, but it really doesn't help them on the, on the biggest needs that they have. They, didn't, they, they need offense. They need help. They need somebody who can go out there and catch the football consistently. Um, so, again, getting Roquan Smith is great for their defense, but they're going to be in a lot of close fight games because your offense, if you stop Lamar Jackson, and there are teams that can't do that, especially in the playoffs, um, you know, I, I, I'm not too sure how deep they'll go, but I digress. But the Boston Ravens go in there and, and, and get a much-needed victory over the Saints. Uh, we have a Saints fan in the building. Mr. Harvey, talk to me about it. Oh, man. Like I said, not a good day in Houdat Nation, but they weren't going to steal my joy. I'm still riding high, but what I will tell you is this. There are a few things, and I said this on the timeless Sunday morning brunch. Uh, Sundays at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, cheap plug with your boy Thomas and I breaking down uh, the weekend sports actions and getting you set up for uh, the week's slate of NFL games. But there, there are things that you can count on in life. You can count on death. You can count on taxes. You can count on changes. And you can count on Andy Dalton losing in prime time. Go back and look at his record. I don't care if it's Thursday night, Sunday night, Monday night. I don't care what night it is. If it's a prime time game and it's a showcase game, I don't know how or why. Well, I do know how because he's he's a game manager. He can get the ball where it needs to go at times, uh, but he struggles mightily uh, in prime time games, and that's why I even picked. Uh, against my team, which I do very rarely. Uh, I picked against my team on the Sunday morning brunch. Um, this Saints team does have weapons. It, it hurts to have Michael Thomas out for the year. Can we get Jarvis back? Are you really that old that you can't get back on the field? Uh, you know, I, I like what I've seen in this team. And offensively, like I said before, and I said this a couple weeks ago when I said everybody wants to tear it down, they still have weapons. Uh, they're still a little bit better offensively than they were a year ago, but if you can stop Taysom Hill when he lines up and, and, you know, they do the gadget plays and whatever else, you can contain this team. Uh, this team is not is not very good, but they're still in a bad division, right? So you're still only a game out. Uh, in this division, you could possibly make a playoff run. You can't throw everything away. Uh, luckily, they didn't at the trade deadline. 
But uh, this is not a good football team. This team uh, looks as bad as it did in 2012. It was 10 years ago. And then before that, it was um, 2005 was the Katrina year when they played uh, a little bit of everywhere from Tiger Stadium to San Antonio to uh, home games and other, you know, they played a a home game in the other team stadium once. Uh, So uh, this team looks very displaced and disjointed. Uh, Still a lot of talent on this roster, but it wasn't very good. I was impressed with what I saw out of Roquan Roquan Smith. Uh, I thought, you know, Houston had as good a game as he's had in a long time at the defensive end position and played really well. Uh, this Saints team really just uh, – they, they couldn't contain them, and Baltimore was too much on both sides of the ball. They were uh, – they out-physicaled this team, and they made less mistakes. Uh, Saints turned the ball over. They paid for it. Uh, the defense kind of, you know, fought the best that they could, but at the end of the day, you got to be uh, – you got to be given a chance. They had time after time to try to convert and couldn't do anything with it. So, uh, listen, they got the beating they deserve. The score, uh, because they were able to get a late, late score – um, makes the game look a little bit closer than it was, but let's not uh, let's not get confused. This was a Baltimore beatdown of New Orleans in their own house. So listen, you got to go. You got to go back. You got to lick your wounds. Uh, you know, maybe uh, maybe rub a couple beignets on it or whatever you got to do uh, to be able to move forward. Uh, you know, to line up against the Steelers uh, this weekend. But listen, they took it on the chin. And uh, it wasn't pretty. I had some friends over, and luckily we had drinks flowing. And I just, you know, every time something bad happened, I just got up and walked in the kitchen and got another one. You know, it's it's crazy because for me, I think you hit the nail on the head. There were opportunities um, in this ball game for, for the Saints to do something. Like, I really felt for a good portion of that game, your defense played exceptional. <clears throat> like you, Lamar Jackson is going to do Lamar Jackson type stuff. Like you can't, you can't stop him. You just can only somewhat contain him and limit his effectiveness on, on the ball game. Um, and so, even with him running for eighty-seven yards and 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 whatnot, I feel as though the defense did did as best as possible. Uh, offensively. Y'all didn't even get going until right before halftime, and then you missed the touchdown to Callaway. Like, that was so open, my three-year-old son could have thrown that thing, and Andy Dalton missed him. <laughs> but it still hit his hands. I'm, like, you could argue he was supposed to bring that in even though it was a bad pass. That's an NFL receiver. Right. Right, right. I mean, I, I, I get that, but, I mean, at the end of the day, like, you've got to convert that. You gotta have that. Like it wasn't like the offense was moving up and down the field. Like that, 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 that that's a momentum shifter. That's a game flipper. Um, that, 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 that changes that, the game completely, especially when exactly. they get the ball coming out. Exactly. So, um, but then at the end of the day, even after that, I just fully felt as though you guys had a shot, and you just. They crawled. Yeah, it wasn't. Just, it wasn't they, until they, the fourth quarter. Right. I kept looking at my. I kept looking at my friends and saying, "Listen, as bad as it is, this happens. It's still a one possession game. It's still a one possession. You know what I mean? So like, I'm looking. I'm like, all they got to do is break out. This is one of the top five offenses in the league. All we got to do is put together right. one or two drives, and we're still in this football game. The defense did everything they could. Yeah. So 
I think at the end of the day, man, I, I think the Saints are going to be a, a decent, a, a decent squad going forward. That division right now is still quite frankly up in the air um, because Tampa Bay is not not right. I, I think you guys will be halfway decent. We're not really, you know, dealing with the Carolina Panthers, and obviously, I think the Atlanta Falcons are, are a huge question mark. So that 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 division is still up to be had. Um, too bad you won't catch one on the chin this week, but we'll talk about that offline. Villain, I'll come to you before we get out of here, man. Anything you want to get to before we you be shut this run down? Yeah, um, the Packers are dead. They're done. Stick a fork yeah. in their embarrassment. Um, the the Buccaneers uh, pulled pulled the rabbit out of their hat. But I, I think the Rams lost that game more than the uh, Bucs won it. The Rams, how do you – you could say what you want about uh, third and five, um, not throwing and going for the first down. But guess what? You got to play defense too. And you played about 15 to 20 yards off the ball and let them get easy outs and march right down the field with no timeouts with 40-something seconds left. That's a disgrace. The Rams deserve to lose right. that game. They're a disgrace. Both the, the Rams and the Packers are dead. The the Bucks saved their season so they can go into the playoffs and get blown out in the first round. It's disgusting. And shout-out to the Jets. My dad's a Jet fan, so shout-out to the Jets. Yeah. You know, we talk junk about Salah keeping the receipts. He's got my receipt. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, honestly, like, they, they, they put out a hell of a performance. That defense is legit in New York. Um, they get they can get after it with their front four. They got a really good secondary. I think they need a little bit of more linebacker help, but that's a good defense. That's a that's a good talented Jets team, uh, with a good win at home against a really good Buffalo Bills team. Hey, shout out! Yeah, to, I wanted to shout out to Justin. No, my bad. Go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was gonna say, you know, a couple of things. Shout out to Justin Fields, man. Three hundred accounted for three hundred plus yards, one hundred seventy-eight rushing. Uh, for Chicago, uh, nice game for him. You want to see him continue to develop as a passer, but but really nice uh, outing for Justin Fields this now. weekend. Uh, <laughs> say it again. He got, he got some help now. Yeah, he got man. some help with Claypool. Yeah, that's gave him some Claypool. That's, that's a good that's a good move for him. Uh, listen, I was also as much as uh, I'm still not impressed by this team, and I've been wrong about this team a lot this year. Uh, I was impressed with the way the Tennessee Titans defense hung in that game on Sunday night. Yeah. It really uh, made yeah. made Mahomes work. Now, uh, Patrick Mahomes to me once again showed you why he was why he's the best quarterback in the league because when he had to have it late, they were able to come back even on a on a day where they didn't have one of their best days. Um, so shout out to the best quarterback in the league. But that Titans defense uh, played really well, much better than I anticipated them uh, playing on Sunday night. So. Uh, that was a much more entertaining game uh, than I was expecting as well. And then uh, just because the big homie TP, we talked about the uh, the Packers, but but shout out to the Lions. Anytime you can, uh, anytime you can beat the Packers, it's it's a it's a good day in in the Motor City. That yeah, I wanted to double click on that Mike. for a second. And what? Yeah, that defense in Green Bay is. They're disgraceful. They're terrible. And Aaron Rodgers picked the wrong day to play his worst football game. All right. All right. All right. Yeah. That's, but you know that's what? Insane. You make a great point, though. Shout out to the Titans. They hung tough in there. Um, like I said, um, 
you know, and, and it's a good point about Justin Fields, man. You know, I think, you know, it only took a year and a half that they finally figured out how to get him going, get him help and, and get him, um, you know, he was arguably the best quarterback in that, that class. You know, Trevor Lawrence was obviously that guy, but everybody thought Fields was pretty darn good. And now you're starting to see it. And now they just have to surround him with some offensive talent and some help on the offensive line and, and the bears, you know, they can, they can, they can make a move next year. They they have it. They have what it takes. I, I trust me. They they can make a move in that NFC. Um, so keep an eye out on them. But you know, it was a good week of football. Dolphins look really good. Squeaking that game out. Some good game series. Yeah, I mean, I think they like so the Chicago Bears. I was very very impressed with them. Uh, the Green Bay Packers again. Um, you have no excuses for me. Like at the end of the day, you make a phone call, you you you, you get Aaron Rodgers some help. Um, at the but would it help? Would it, would it make a difference? So serious? Would it make it a difference? It might have because I, it might have. Christian Watson, he, he hasn't played more than ten snaps all year. Romeo Dobbs went down. Randall Cobb is about as old as us. You know, mid thirties, late thirties, trying to play football. You know, you have nothing out of Tanya. And you, you in the, they were in the same five plays every damn drive, like, because they they can't throw the football down the field. you got to get somebody At in there. At this point, can we just call Antonio Freeman? You know, Donald Driver, Antonio Freeman? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, <laughs> listen, listen. I, that, listen, medicine has advanced. Maybe we can get Sterling Sharp. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like the defense has down. first and second rounders, serious, and that defense has been a disgrace all year. And they lost their best pass rusher. Um, yeah, Rashad Gale, right? Yeah, so yeah, it's, <laughs> there's no way. I don't think giving up the draft, you know, capital to get a receiver was going to help that team win. And even if they got in the playoffs, they wouldn't beat these teams. They're not beating. We told, they're not beating the Eagles. They're not beating the Niners. They're not beating the Cowboys. They're not even beating the Vikings. They're not beating right the Vikings. Vikings, beat week, Vikings beat them week one, and we said multiple ones of us said that the Minnesota Vikings were probably going to win this division. And every week that passes by, we look better, that pick looks better and better and better. We need to put respect on the Vikings' name, right, Mike? Because they, they, they're seven and one, and nobody's giving them any credit. You know, yeah, they're not winning great. Their, their offense is kind of – they're not getting Jefferson going like you wish they would and, and stuff, but they're winning games, and that's all that counts in this league. Ask the Giants. They're winning games. Yeah, that, you're, you're right. When it comes playoff time, though, we'll see how well Kirk Cousins uh of course how well his of throwing course. how well his throwing form is when he puts one one hand up around his neck but we'll see what happens <laughs> <laughs> but right now hey listen, uh, all you got to do is get in get in the dance get in the dance and you know we got to give them their respect you know what i mean like every time i see a top 5 list the vikings never get into that list and it's starting to get to be kind of disrespectful like yeah, no, I, I like the Ravens. The, yeah. Everybody in the NFC talks about the Eagles. They talk about the Cowboys. They talk about the yeah. Niners, and with good and with good reason. Even though this team's four and four, this Niners team looks like it could really, really be legit. But like, they could take off. Come on, y'all. Let, let let's stop talking about legit NFC contenders 
without mentioning the Minnesota Vikings. I think the issue with the Minnesota Vikings, and it's the same issue that you have with the Philadelphia Eagles, when you look at who they play, it, it doesn't pass mm-hmm. the, the, the the sniff test. Like, I mean, they, they're going to get tested this week. They play the Buffalo Bills, and they got they got the Cowboys coming up, and they they got some they they, they got some heavy quote unquote heavy hitters coming up. So we're going to learn a lot, a lot about the the Minnesota Vikings in, the, in this next month, but ultimately at the end of but, the day. But you gotta, you, you play, gotta play the games that you you that they put in front you of you. Right? Seriously, like they don't yeah. make the schedule. Yeah. You know, like right. listen, winning. A, ask the Bucks how hard it is to win a game in this league. Ask them. Like you, you see Tom Brady this week. He looks like he won the Super Bowl. It ain't easy. The Giants. Ask them how hard it is to win games. They, those are games they were pissing away. Like I, I, I understand. I agree with you. Their schedule's been soft, but those are games. Look at the Bills losing to the Jets. Even though the Jets are a good team, nobody thought the Bills would lose that game. You know what I mean? Any given right. Sunday, you can lose a game. To be seven and one, you're still seven and one in this league. So you saying winning right. is like pimping? It ain't easy. It ain't <laughs> easy, but it's sure, it it ain't sure easy. Is fun. It ain't easy. <laughs> With that being said, gentlemen, I'm going to get us out of here, man. Mr. Harvey, man, thanks for stopping by the kitchen, man. Give us a plug and a plug as we shut it down, my man. All right, man. I'm going to leave some meat on the bone for the village and the closing. So, uh, Barbershop on Clubhouse, man, 14,000 strong and continue to grow. Come by, check us out anytime during the day. We also have uh, live watch-alongs Thursday night, Monday night football all day on Sunday updating uh, scores as they happen, uh, a lot of college football stuff as well. But just lots of conversations uh, throughout on uh, on Clubhouse. So, uh, you know, come follow the barbershop, tap the bell so you can get notified anytime we have rooms open and be part of the barbershop community. Check out the site, sportscitychefs.com. Uh, and the time of Sunday morning brunch, I'll let Barry tell you about the other shows we got going on. But 11 o'clock uh, a.m. on Sundays, come check it out with us. we got 90 minutes to recap everything that went on and the weekend of sports, college football action. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about stuff in the NBA. Now college basketball starting to tip off. And, and don't worry, y'all, like it or not, I'm, I'm going to give y'all guys some uh, some wrestling updates again as this year unwinds because we got two guys this year that are going to be going for, uh, if they have a good enough year, to be able to join that exclusive four-timers club as far as four NCAA national championships. There's only been four in the history of the sport. So uh, I'll keep you guys updated. One of them's up in your neck of the woods there, wrestling for Cornell. Uh, so uh, it, it'll be an interesting, uh, interesting season as that goes on, man. But definitely check us out. Check out everything we got going on. Without the big homie TP, I wouldn't have been here. And uh, But much love to you guys as well. Uh, man, listen, the Sports City Chefs family. Uh, we, we are going to be here and continue to uh, bring stuff to you. Also, don't forget phiapparel.co. Use the promo code CHESS to check out for 15% off. The Eagles are still undefeated, so go ahead and buy their uh, buy their stuff. Christmas presents for people before they get eliminated in the playoffs. Uh, anyway, once again, uh, Crimson cried on uh, Saturday night, so roll, tide, roll, around the ball and down the hole. We flushed you in Baton Rouge. Les et les and peace out. <laughs> Thank you so much, Mr. Harvey, man. Uh, it's a pleasure to talk with you, man. I, I, I'll holler at you tomorrow uh, on another show, man. But, um, gentlemen, man, give us a plug and a close out as we get out of here, my guy. 
Yeah, he said he was going to leave something on the bone. He ate it all anyway, so no, I'm going to say it. Listen, get to the website. Get Listen to the show. We'll, we're back at it tomorrow when Call is cooked out. I'm sure Mr. Harvey will be there. Good, uh, serious to be there with TP time with the, the villain. Um, talking all things sports, you know, we got to get into some basketball, a um, little bit of football and what have you. Probably maybe even a little uh, hot stove, you know, we'll see what's going down. But, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of things popping. Get get to the website, like I said, get to PHI Apparel. Thanks for them for sponsoring the show. And, you know, we do what we do, baby. I'm out. Thanks so much, uh, Villa, man. It's a pleasure to kick in with you as always, man. It's your boy, Sears, up in that 412 and the 703, man. Pleasure to be here with you guys. Yo, I had the unique privilege and pleasure of doing a, a finger food with my dad um, over the break. Uh, all I'm going to say is this. If you want to understand the psyche behind Sirius, listen to that podcast because you literally hear it. He, you hear me and my dad literally mirroring each other throughout the whole damn thing. It, 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 it's something to watch. Um, you know, me and my dad's relationship has been the best, but this is one thing that we always bond over. We can always talk about. Um, and so it, I, I had fun recording it. I had fun uh, putting it together. And so hopefully this will come out probably in the next day or two. Um, just in time for, for this weekend. And with that being said. Oh, it's up. Tell it's, us, up. Tell it's up. It's up. Oh, it's up. I didn't even know it was up. With that being said, tell them for the tell them for the chefs again. If they don't know, now we know, man. We out. City chefs is in the room, cooking up hot topics to put up on the spoon. They well in tune, bloom like a flower in June. Superman verse, MF doom, the clouds loom. So tell a friend it's the sports city chefs again. Pay attention, tune in, we on the set again. Uh-huh.